It's now time for us to take a closer look at those headlines. We have uh, Adam joining us over Zoom to go over the headlines with special keywords. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Juan. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Just one more day for me of early mornings. I know. It's been a it's been a good run. Yes. Yes. <laughs> enjoyed enjoyed my two run, uh, two week run, and of course, yeah. Lena will be back in the studio uh, starting next Monday for the listeners who are wondering. Adam, let's get started with the first keyword of the morning. Special relationship. President Yoon and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau have agreed to step up cooperation on critical minerals and other economic security issues during their summit talks. Give us an update. Right, so they announced a joint statement that they titled Stronger Together for the Next 60 Years. They agreed to further deepen and develop a comprehensive strategic partnership of the two nations, saying they have a a special relationship. Uh, Yoon pointed to the great potential for economic cooperation between the two countries in uh, future industries such as semiconductors, batteries and AI, as well as the clean energy sector, including nuclear power plants, natural gas and hydrogen. Now, the two governments also signed relevant MOUs uh, and the two leaders also announced a new youth mobility arrangement. Uh, They increased the working holiday programs annual quota, for example, to work and study in each other's countries from 4,000 to 12,000 people. Uh, They also eased age requirements and the cap on working hours. The maximum age was increased uh, from 30 to 35, and the maximum number of working hours per week was raised from 25 to 40 hours. Uh, Trudeau welcomed what he called Yoon's unequivocal leadership on Ukraine and other global issues. He also reaffirms Canada's support for Yoon's so-called uh, audacious initiative, or bold initiative, as others are calling it, uh, which offers massive uh, assistance to North Korea in exchange for steps uh, in denuclearization. Now, the two leaders condemned the North's weapons programs and called again on Pyongyang to return to denuclearization talks. They also expressed their commitment to promoting human rights in Korea. South Korea recently um, released a report on the human rights situation in the North. Uh, The two leaders also welcomed their government's recent decision to launch negotiations for uh, an information security agreement on industrial security and defense. Other topics covered during the summit included climate change as well. Uh, Trudeau welcomed June's agreement to join the Global Carbon Pricing Challenge he launched in 2021. Now, Korea is the first Asian country to join the initiative, which basically calls on all countries to adopt pollution pricing as a central part of their climate strategies. All right, let's jump over to the second keyword. Wastewater talks. So Korea and Japan have uh, continued their negotiations to iron out the details of the upcoming Korean inspectors team's visit to the Fukushima nuclear plant. But as many expected, the talks are not going as smoothly as they hoped. And uh, we, as of right now, we don't really have a, a solution or a resolution, I should say, on the exact scope uh, for the Korean inspection team. Yeah, certainly they're kind of running out of time as well because they're visiting just uh, next week. So 
So the clock is certainly running out uh, to try and get uh, these details ironed out. Uh, and the second working level talks, it unfortunately ended without an agreement again. Uh, they failed to flesh out details of the inspection, such as, uh, as you mentioned, the scope of inspection, the itinerary, as well as other details. Uh, a foreign ministry official said Korea will continue, though, talks with Japan through diplomatic channels. Uh, but another official said the two sides are unlikely to hold additional meetings due to uh, time constraints. So there might be some other ways of them communicating to try and get these details and uh, schedules um, agreed upon. But we'll have to see. Now, the first negotiations had ended without an apparent agreement on the specifics of the visits as well, other than that the Korean team would be basically granted four days to inspect the plant. Now, the team is expected to check the operation of the treatment and discharge facilities at the plant and secure the information Korea needs to conduct a scientific evaluation of the contaminated water. Japan has been saying that checking the water's safety is being done by the nuclear watchdog IAEA and that it is not Seoul's concern. Uh, and it does seem like Korea is thinking the same thing as well. Prime Minister Handok Su said the inspection team will monitor the discharge process and related facilities while the IAEA will test the safety of the wastewater. Therefore, it is unlikely that the team will collect any uh, water samples. Um, how much uh, of an impact the inspection of facilities there will play in trying to uh, dissuade concerns of the Korean public uh, remains to be seen, but I think it is the actual wastewater itself and the safety of it that is the most concerning for people here in Korea, as well as neighboring countries uh, as well. Um, so we'll have to see how the trip plays out. Uh, Taiwan had a similar trip that was uh, held uh, um, not so long ago as well. That didn't really turn out to be as fruitful as many hoped, but uh, uh, we'll have to see if Korea's trip is any different. Doesn't Prime Minister Han, Prime Minister Han's comments, uh, make it seem like we're already giving ground a little bit? Uh, <laughs> a little bit. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't want to. Uh, I'm going to tread lightly with those comments. But uh, yeah, I mean, critics are saying that the EU government is kind of bowing to uh, Japan's demands and uh, opening up uh, diplomacy uh more actively than japan is but uh, of course prime minister handok su being kind of you know the second in command in the government um yeah maybe but we'll have to see it's okay adam they won't come after you <laughs> <laughs> let's jump over to the third keyword of the day warning to north korea North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has reportedly examined a military spy satellite, which the country is expected to launch soon, sparking concerns from the United States, of course. Um, what's the latest on this satellite? Is it operational? When are they going to launch? Do we have the details? Yeah, so they're just reported by state media so far, so not much details coming out of what it is yet, uh, but it is certainly not only concerns, uh, sparking concerns for, for the US, but also South Korea as well. Now, state media showed uh, Kim visiting an aerospace facility where he described uh, space-based reconnaissance as crucial for countering the US and South Korea. Uh, North Korea commonly and frequently does uh, uh, use satellites as a kind of excuse, if you will, for launching long-range uh, ballistic missiles. Now, the KCNA said he approved an unspecified future action plan in preparations for launching the satellite 
the Nodong Shimun released photos of Kim and his daughter Chue uh, dressed in white lab coats, talking to scientists near an object that looked like the main component uh, of a satellite. So yet another uh, 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 picture where Kim Jong-un's daughter has been seen in public attending or uh, overseeing uh, weapons development facilities. Now, the newspaper did not identify the object, uh, but it was surrounded by a perimeter of red tape. Uh, now, spy satellites are among a slew of advanced weapon systems Kim has vowed uh, to develop. Uh, the KCNA said it was deemed ready to be loaded onto a rocket after scientists put it through a test to confirm whether it could withstand the environment of space. Uh, North Korea has not disclosed the target date for the launch, which some analysts say may be in the next few weeks. Uh, and that is certainly causing some concern. The U.S. State Department expressed that such concern. Deputy spokesperson Vedant Patel said the anticipated launch of the claimed satellite would violate multiple international sanctions that prohibit the use of any ballistic missile technology by the North. And he warned that the U.S. will take necessary steps to hold North Korea accountable should Pyongyang decide to go ahead with its planned launch. So pretty much uh, much of, uh, more of the same when it comes to these kind of things. Uh, North Korea touts its uh, missile and weapons technology. The U.S. says their violations, uh, along with South Korea, um, expressing similar concerns as well. So no different this time. I didn't know Kim Jong-un was such a fan of um, Take Your Daughter to Work Day. Although, ah, yeah, you could see it like that. It's been a, quite a frequent event, hasn't yeah, it? He's been taking her to work a lot these days. <laughs> yeah, and they're usually weapons facilities as well, which has certainly uh, caught the eye of many uh, North Korean watchers and experts. Maybe already, you know how South Korean parents all always want their uh, kids to become lawyers or doctors. Maybe uh, <laughs> he's uh, kind of um, planning out her career trajectory. <laughs> Uh, could be. That is a speculation, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's jump over to the fourth keyword of the day. May 18th uprising. So today marks the 43rd anniversary of the May 18th Gwangju pro-democracy movement with the ceremony being held in the southern city. This is, um, it's, it happens every year. Uh, and, um, uh, even though the celebration or the commemoration um, is a very somber event, it tends to draw the attention of, um, I guess, political pundits because who attends the ceremony or who gets sent by the current administration tends to um, signify certain things. Yeah, certainly it does. There's uh, certainly a, a bit of a sticking and contentious uh, issue between conservative and liberal parties here in Korea. Uh, and it usually causes a bit of tension. You can see the kind of the tense atmosphere sometimes with these ceremonies uh, taking place. Uh, uh, this year, it's expected to have about 3,000 people uh, in attendance. That's about 1,000 more than last year. Of course, the pandemic uh, has been one of the reasons behind the scaling down over the past uh, couple of years. Now, attendees, they include politicians, uh, the brief families and students alike, um, as well as uh, some members of the public. Now, interestingly, President Yoon, a conservative uh, president, uh, for the first time as a conservative president, led his aides and the entire ruling People Power Party to Kwangju last year to pay tribute to those who perished during the resistance. Now, following the president's 
kind of unprecedented move. This year, many lawmakers from the ruling and opposition blocs have again headed uh, to Kwangju. Um, PPP lawmakers reportedly uh, took a train there together. They'll be there alongside uh, Democratic Party members. Uh, now, the Democratic Party reportedly encouraged all of its members to attend both days of the ceremonies, which started yesterday. Uh, the leader, Lee Jae-myung, and the floor leader, Park bang uh will be staying in Kwangju um, for two days. Uh, now, some PPP members were also present for yesterday's uh, ceremony as well. We'll have to see who attends uh, today. Um, now, Yoon was also the first conservative leader last year to sing out loud uh, Marching for Our Beloved, which is a song that is dedicated to the victims that is usually sung at the end um, of the ceremony. Whether conservative lawmakers will do the same this year remains to be seen. And of course, there's been a lot more headlines surrounding this particular occasion because uh, Chondoan's uh, grandson actually attended the uh, cemetery where a lot of these um, victims uh, laid. So, yeah, so it's going to be an interesting one. Right. Just get to give a little bit of a historical background, Chondoan was the authoritarian, authoritarian ruler in power mm. at the time of the uprising. So um, to give you a little bit more perspective on that. All right, jumping over to the fifth and final keyword. Less profits. Big companies in Korea posted uh, a more than half a drop in profits in the first quarter, um, according to the latest data from both Kospi and Kosdaq uh, listed companies. Give us an update on the situation with the economy here. Yeah, so I always dread doing these kind of economic stories because they're all so dreary and gloomy <laughs> and it's always bad news, uh, especially for the past uh, year or so. So it's a bit depressing, but uh, hopefully there's some light at the end of the tunnel. But of course, this is all due to basically the semiconductor industry taking a bit of a dip uh, and they do take up 20% of the country's exports. Uh, Korea, according to the Korea Exchange, Consolidated net profit of 622 listed companies in the stock market in December was also almost 19 trillion won in Q1. Uh, that's a decrease of 58% from the same period last year, so nearly a drop of 60%. Uh, sales increased actually by 5.7%, but operating profit decreased by 53%. So uh, that uh, it goes to show how the profitability has certainly taken a bit of a nosedive. Uh, operating profit was less than half of the 50.5 trillion won uh, that was recorded in Q1 of uh, last year, which was actually the second highest ever. Um, and it is also the first time since the first quarter of 2009, when the global financial crisis hit, that a listed company's profit has decreased by more than 50% compared to the same period uh, last year. And uh, COSDAC listed companies, not just COSPI, who, who are uh, COSDAC are mostly tech related companies, they saw kind of the largest drop. Um, in operating profit, uh, Samsung Electronics and SK Hynix, two big chip makers, of course, being hit uh, by the slump in the chip uh, market. Now, experts do predict that listed companies would show sluggish earnings uh, overall this year, uh, but they could start to show a modest recovery in the second half. So we'll have to keep our fingers crossed and see what happens. Fingers are crossed. People need a little bit of a break and a little bit of a yeah. turn on the economy, that's for sure. Yeah, and hopefully inflation dies down as well along with that because, uh, you know, everything's getting expensive apart from my wages, as everyone says. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam, thank you so much for your time and uh, we'll speak to you again tomorrow.
You're very welcome. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.